0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Welcome to Total Wine and More. I'm firing up the grill for burgers and want to impress the neighbors. You'll love this Cabernet with your burgers. Wow, great price. Find what you love, love what you find. At Total Wine & More, drink responsibly, B-21. Freedom is a feeling, and the best way to truly feel free is behind the wheel of a Jeep SUV. Find out what true freedom feels like at Jeep Freedom Days. And now, financing at $2,500 total cash allowance on the purchase of a 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee WK Laredo 4x4. Don't miss this great offer. Financing for what qualified buyers through Chrysler capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Must take retail delivery by 531-22. Jeep is a registered trademark.
2: I'm Tamara Thomas, editor-in-chief of urbanhealthtoday.com, part of the Gakwar family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started.
1: Did you want to weigh in, Lou? No, no. No, uh, I mean, no. let's, let's take a break.
2: Because... But you had mentioned something. You mentioned something when we were talking about this. You mentioned something about um, prostate.
1: Prostate is state of the art, uh, the, the way they have it, because what with the men lot let's call it the there is ma- the no there is <laughs> no
2: this is what cheeses me off like there is no ramp that leads to we're going to just take your prostate but go ahead luke go ahead
1: okay so prostate is kind of state of the art because they really do take your whole history and give you a holistic treatment based on your history now, wow. granted, it is the turtle of all cancers, so they have a lot of time to do this. Ah. Some of the other ones are a little quicker, but basically the, 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 the way of treatment is they, they see how many years, first they figure out how many years you have left, more or less on the average. So if you're 70 years old, they're, they, they're going to treat you differently than if you're 80 years old. If you're 80 years old, they may not even operate, or 85 um because you know, you're
2: probably going to die before the they, cancer they gets you. figure
1: it out they say yeah. you'll die of something else if you're going to die of this let's just give you a little bit of chemo and, and leave it in there. uh if you're in your 70s they're going to ask you if you're still sexually active if, you, if you're not if you are, they're going to write a paper about you, I guess. But,
2: I mean. so, basically, so basically, your prostate is not a throwaway. The, the, the language that they're using with men is not yeah. the same language. At 70, they're asking men about their sex lives. Yeah. And here I am. I am not even 50. And already they're like throwing away my organs. Like, well, yeah. you're not there, but you're going to get there. So you may as well.
1: Go yeah. ahead, go ahead. So, man. you know, they, they look at to see if you're sexually active. They also look to see if... Uh, at 70. You, you know, they... <laughs> is a big deal. And, um, you know, obviously you as a male don't want to, you know, walk around with a diaper all day. Uh, and it's one of the side effects of removing your prostate completely. So depending on how old you are, depending on how active you are, are you working, are you a stay-at-home person... All of those things uh, is taken into consideration. And then a, a personalized treatment plan is done between you and the oncologist. So that's a good thing because you, you, you have a voice and you're giving the odds. You know, you're told, look, you know, you've got a, a 20% chance that this will come back, but you won't get incontinence and you won't get impotence. Or you have a 5% chance, which one would you like to do? And then yeah. you as the patient get to make a choice.
2: And you know, that's an interesting um, juxtaposition because you can see that uh, got, that, 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 that oncologists have really given a lot of 360 thought to the man, the man's life and conserving his organs. And... We just don't get that same. I think theory. the
0: magic word, though, is incontinence, because that one's really universally. Uh, uh, I could see how they would, you know, you would make a
2: priority for that. I mean, if incontinence it's was not a, just if, incontinence, though, it's also their sex life. Yeah. I well, mean, the they're asking 70 year olds, yeah. are they having sex? So they're thinking about their all around. Yeah. OK, we can we can say, yes, incontinence is a big thing, of course. Right. But so is cardiovascular disease, so is diabetes, so is depression, so, yeah. those, so because those things are inward, <laughs> well, we, not, we don't worry about them, is that the, the idea? So because um, piddling your pants, which in the grand scheme of things is, you know, it's not great, but it's not, it's not a death sentence, right?
1: I mean, it's controllable, but if you're still it's working- It's controllable,
2: and you can wear- If you're still
1: working, it's more of a problem because you know, you're you not around those, you're not around the fresh pair of diapers or whatever. If you're at home, you, know, you can always be changing and all that.
2: But my point is, in the grand scheme of illnesses or side effects, piddling mm-hmm. your pants, which I'm not saying is a good thing. I'm saying in the grand scheme of health concerns, bone density, brittle bones, Cardiovascular disease, endocrine disease—they'll kill, disease. you, they'll kill right. you. These are things that women have to contend with when you take their organs, and nobody cares about those things because it's women. But then you 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 put that side to side with a man. Well, you know, he he still has a sex—they really like, care about his quality of life. That's what I'm saying. The quality of life concerns are so different, but. The amount of thought put into it when you put them side by side are just not the same
0: well you're a woman, that's your lot
1: yeah I, I mean look, uh, true that that the men are, are somewhat luckier than ovarian, but prostate cancer not face- just
2: ovarian breasts too
1: well l- let's look let's compare ovarian and mm-hmm. prostate, and what happens with with the male is that. On prostate cancer, it jumps off a lot less. And it's a lot slower in jumping off to something else than ovarian. Ovarian, That's true.
0: ovarian is mysterious. It's hard to see.
1: It's hard to see. Number two, once it jumps off, the prostate cancer is usually a lot more curable than the ovarian.
2: I'm not talking about the rates of aggression here. But we've mm. got to take a break and we'll come back and we're going to discuss this further. And we're back and we I want to continue this conversation we're have which leads into this week's topic. You know, speaking of women butchery, I mean <laughs> Let's, you know, was let's, that Freudian let's continue this. Slip or
1: was that intention?
2: That it was a Maybe. Was a Freudian. <laughs> okay. So let's get into ovarian cancer since we started talking about it. In the United States, ovarian cancer is the eighth most common cancer among women according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. While there are more than 30 types of ovarian cancer, all begin in one or both ovaries, not true, or in the nearby fallopian tubes, true, or peritoneum, that's the tissue that covers organs in the abdomen. Most ovarian cancers are classified by the name of the cell from where the disease originated. Every ovarian cancer patient is different, and each deserves a treatment plan tailored to her needs and specific diagnosis. That starts with identifying the type of ovarian cancer. Prophylactic oophorectomy significantly reduces your odds of developing breast cancer and ovarian cancer if you're at high risk. Removing your ovaries greatly reduces the amount of the hormones estrogen and progesterone circulating in your body. This surgery can halt or slow breast cancers that need these hormones to grow. Women with gene mutations usually also have their fallopian tubes removed at the same time the ovaries are removed, which is called risk-reducing bilateral salpingo-oophorectomy. Since they Woo! have an increased risk, I know that was a mouthful, right? Mm-hmm. Reducing bilateral salpingo-oophorectomy, I had to say it again.
0: That's nice.
2: <laughs> Since they have an increased risk of fallopian tube, fallopian tube cancer as well. Preventive surgery for people with Lynch syndrome, also known as hereditary non-polyptomy, polyposis, colorectal cancer, may also include removing the uterus or a hysterectomy Mm -hmm. since they have an increased risk of endometrial cancer. So they immediately go to just, let's just remove everything. Yes. Okay. And here's the thing though. Prophylactic oophorectomy may increase mortality in some patients at average risk of ovarian cancer. Mortality rates may rise in women under the age of 45 with an average risk of ovarian cancer who undergo prophylactic bilateral oophorectomy and do not receive proper hormone replacement therapy, according to data. The study published in Lancet Oncology found that the increased death rate may be due to the subsequent development of estrogen-related cancers as well as cardiovascular and neurological illnesses. Ovarian conservation until age 65 was found to increase long-term survival for women undergoing hysterectomy for benign disease. Specifically, women undergoing oophorectomy before age 55 had an 8.6% excess mortality rate by age 80, and those who had undergone oophorectomy before age 59 had almost 4% excess mortality. There was sustained but decreasing benefit until the age of 75 when excess mortality oophorectomy is less than 1%. Multiple studies have shown an association between oophorectomy and decreased overall health and life expectancy, most notably due to coronary heart disease, the primary cause of death among women in the United States. So with this information, let's get back to what we were talking about. All of the risks, and they still, the science still says remove the ovary.
0: It's yeah, I like, remember when I had like mine removed, worse the,
2: the, it's like the cure being worse than the disease. Yeah,
0: when I had my uh, whole debulking surgery, which included the fallopian tubes, the uterus, the cervix, and the ovaries, the doctor came and I was in the surgical bay just to get the hysterectomy. And he was like, I don't want to have to go back in there because uh, I just had a patient and she had endometrial cancer and I didn't take her ovaries And now I'm back and she has ovarian cancer and there's no symptoms. And so I was afraid I'd already had verset. I was about to go into the surgical bay. And so he goes, I really was
2: making a decision at the last second.
0: Yeah, he did. And I know he believed it. You know, that was his thing. He's a, he's a a surgical oncologist and that was his position. This is what's going to increase your numbers. And Um, I was under the age of 50 and I just felt like, um, it was just like, you
2: you you felt like you have a young dependent and yeah, I had to
0: stay alive for my little kid, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was afraid and we didn't know yet. We didn't know any of the stuff and they have to remove everything and then test it. And then sure enough, I had nothing Uh other than that little bit within the, within the uterus. And that was essentially the, the surgery was essentially a cure, but you know, we don't know about, um, we don't know what all those organs, they probably give off hormones we don't even know about yet. Like God. that every, yeah. So I just wish that that had not been the case. Now on some level, there's the feeling, well, I mean, it's still not a guarantee that I wouldn't get like cancer in that area, but that way it's a little bit of- But there a, was also no guarantee that you would have. Correct, correct. Because you could still have like, you know, there's still there's always going to be remaining tissue and stuff like that. But, you know, I just got up and took my uh, Primer while, and <laughs> while you were talking, but I, would, I don't know that the hormone replacement, I don't know what kind of hormone, hormone replacement they could give me that would be
2: of that level. And by the way, what's so wrong with just going back in? What is so wrong with simply going back in and saying, oh, we found something else. What is this whole idea of like, well, for my peace of mind, to make me feel better this makes me nervous where is the, I think where it had is
0: to do with those numbers that keeps his numbers great and that he just felt like he doesn't want to have to go back in and like somehow, so yeah it was about his numbers
2: yeah you know this whole idea of everything has to be convenient for the for the for the the clinician like when did that become the focus yeah, like, of like
0: of my theory? consumerism is inefficient
2: for the machine I mean, that's the mind blowing. And then again, contrasting it with prostate care that is so avant-garde and so um, detailed and so Mm. organ sparing. It just begs, and you know, I get that the prostate is in a different place. It's at least reachable. Right. But don't tell me you can't develop, if you can go in and get bone marrow, okay? To go in and biopsy that, you can go in, to, to a woman's belly, and you can check once a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I don't know whether the women would sign up for that. I sign up for mm-hmm. it, you know, have a little port that goes in with an itty bitty camera that goes in and looks around in there. Don't tell mm-hmm. me that, you know, you can't sell that to women. If you can sell um, core needle biopsy, mm-hmm. punch biopsies to women, you can right. sell that to women as well, mm-hmm. right? So don't tell me there are not ways that you can develop. This has just become all about. It's like with this whole with AI where medicine has become almost like a video game because mm-hmm. I, I think you, Lou, you were telling me the story about your surgeon friend who um the, new, the, the young doctors he, were tra- he was training. Mm-hmm. This is something he told me years ago, though. The young doctors that he was, the surgeons that he was training, they were like all faint and they felt uncomfortable because they didn't have their robotics to do the oh, surgery yeah. if, if you don't have a oh jersey. they're not used to that huh oh. they're not used to actually going in and actually cutting a real person and actually having to deal with flesh it's all robotics yeah, right. and it's all very or be around
1: for the entire operation you just uh, yeah they, don't want to
2: the blood oh. and they just want but, to see yeah. what's
1: on the screen but you know you guys bring up an interesting point but i i, I want to throw out a Thought exercise here for a second too that where we were earlier contrasting a little bit of the differences. Yes, um, you have to look at you know urologists for the most part are in private practices where they have operating and they have uh, um, operating by operating not operating but operating meaning they do operations in the hospital. Right. So they have operating the privileges mm-hmm. in the hospital and.
2: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And they they have
1: a uh, radiology privileges and blah blah blah. But for the most part, they are a private practice you know
2: that's interesting that's interesting i did have a much better experience with the private practice uh gi doctor than i did with the hospital gi doctor
1: now when you get into the hospital that's when you start running into all this you know rigmarole and and it's almost run by insurance yeah you know it's run by insurance and and today you know where the urologist is competing for your business because the private practice wants to keep your business they give you more of a personalized approach yes most urologists are private practitioners where they Mm. have where they have a private practice and again it's it's the ease of getting to the prostate it's it's not that hard to get to where the ovarian it is a little bit more invasive and and the breast the breast cancer is a little bit more invasive and a lot of that has to happen in the hospital. And most of the people that treat ovarian and most of the people that treat breast are unfortunately in the hospital setting. That's
0: an interesting point. perspective.
1: Yeah, where the urology... So the urologist is not going to give you all this rigmarole of, of letting the insurance company and, and all that, because when you're in a hospital, they, they pretty much tell you, okay, this is how we treat people here at this hospital. And you've got to get with it. And you as a clinician... Don't have that six-lane highway of treatment yeah, for people.
2: They don't have the lead. You way. pretty
1: much got two lanes, one to the left and one to the right, and you got to pick one of the two. You know, so it's the difference between taking a small Jersey road or taking the turnpike, where you yes. got- Yes. On yeah, way. that's very interesting. Huh? So, so th- that's a big thing that to think about because when you're seeing somebody, and if you're a patient, when you're seeing somebody in the hospital they don't have that kind of leeway. They might have a little bit of a leeway, that physician, but they don't have a lot of leeway because they have to follow the norm. And that norm is dictated by the the hospital's policy and by your insurance company. Once, Once you go into private practice, it's more of a, you know, sit down and let's figure out a plan for you.
0: Once you're in private practice, do you probably have different insurance to get into that private practice?
1: Well, you, you have medical, uh, your private practice carries insurance. Um, and but you not also-
0: necessarily all of them, right?
1: Well, from what I know of, and I'm not an expert here, but you're covered by multiple insurances. So let's say you're okay. a urologist. Let's go by that, uh, by that um, type of example. Your private practice will have insurance. Your hospital has insurance. So if you're operating in the hospital and you have privileges, you're covered by their policies.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So it's sort of like, I'm a, I'm a driver and I'm covered by the policy of whatever car I'm driving. That said, a lot of urologists on their own buy a policy. So you have like three policies covering you. So they feel a little bit more secure.
2: Hmm. I just that's a that's a really really good point yeah um I hadn't thought about that so now my wheels are turning I'm like
0: <laughs> what are you gonna do, I
1: you going to go? do the doctors <laughs> should right
2: I, now? should I be uh-huh. seeing a private Brussels right <laughs> maybe the care will be better that's something for me to think about it's so a significant interesting uh, think or about. concierge well, not a concierge, but you know they have more skin in the game if they're a private yes. practice. Their reputation is more on the line. Whereas at a hospital yes. setting, you kind of hide behind the, you hide behind the facility. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, and it's it's. So you don't have the same skin, you. yeah. You know, it's what's important to you. I mean, some some people feel like, you know, if you're in a hospital, you're just gonna get the same treatment than everybody else and. And, you know, you try to go to, uh, you know, if you're talking about press, you know, uh, here in New York City, anyway, Mount Sinai is regarded as the best, and Columbia Presbyterian is number two, then NYU is number three, you know, they're ranked and people try to get into the better ones. Uh, now, what that ranking means, who knows, it's not like they had to pass an SAT. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they all strive to be... Higher in the rankings, but I
2: think NYU was like number four, actually. Yeah, yeah. but
1: but that striving to mm-hmm. be the best sometimes has them do things that are not in your best. Not interest. in the best
0: interest. Not interest. in the best interest of the individual. Yes. It's
1: in the best right. interest of the institution. We're going to yeah. prevent. We're going to prevent ovarian cancer by getting rid of your ovaries. Guess and then, what then we, the, right. oh, that works. And that works. And what
2: they do is they tell everybody, okay, you've got to remove your, and then they can say they have this percent numbers. Yeah. Because they've, they've encouraged people to have, instead of like dealing with like a multidisciplinary approach to the individual, yeah. it's, you know, it's the barber of Seville approach where they just like hack right. away at everything. But look, and this is, I'm not discouraging women from getting the care they need. I think sometimes like when you look at the numbers, you know, in terms of like um, Black uh, and Latin women, women of color, mm-hmm sometimes some buried in some of those numbers are lack of compliance. Ah, and you know, there's all, of course, there's lack of access and all that other stuff, but there's also, there's also sometimes lack of compliance and the fear of, you know, doing all these things that the doctor would recommend. And then what happens is you have these studies that show the survival rates for women who didn't do what the doctor ordered Mm -hmm. was which is much worse than the women who followed the doctor's orders. So you have a little bit of that in there as well. So I'm not here to tell you, uh, you know, to not listen to your doctor and not get the care. I'm simply saying, have a conversation because you know what? Here's what I'm about to drop on you. Many ovarian cancers may start in the fallopian tubes, according to studies. Findings from a study provide additional evidence that the most common type of ovarian cancer may originate in the fallopian tubes. Researchers also found that there is a window of several years between the development of abnormal cells or lesions in the fallopian tubes and the start of ovarian cancer. The findings have significant implications for the prevention, early detection, and therapeutic intervention of this disease, the study investigators wrote. In the study published in Nature Communications, researchers at the Johns Hopkins Kimmel Cancer Center and Dana-Farber Cancer Institute Analyzed multiple tumor samples from nine patients with high-grade serous ovarian carcinomas, or HGSOC, the subtype that accounts for approximately 75% of ovarian cancers. The researchers found that most of genetic alterations seen in ovarian tumors in these patients were present in lesions that had formed years earlier in their fallopian tubes. Whoa. This finding is important, they wrote, because it could potentially help to enable earlier detection of the disease. Currently about 70 percent of women with HGSOC are diagnosed with advanced stage disease. So my question then is: knowing this, why are they doing more studies, A? And B, why are they not simply taking I read this something like this years ago, by the way, and I was shocked when I read that uh because it was one of those like a case for not taking women's ovaries kind of uh studies it was like right. a, a doctor's perspective article. Yes, and then i was blown away when they said that um you know the, they talked about obviously they talked about the you know the, the quality of life implications and the, and uh you know the you know the cardiovascular disease and the bo- brittle bones and right. all of this other stuff that that goes with removing the ovaries and then the sentence that stopped me was, "And most of these cancers uh, start in the fallopian tubes anyway." And I was like, "Whoa, wow. whoa, wait a minute! Why aren't doctors talking about this? This is bananas!" So, um, being a bracket two, um, uh, you know, genetic mutation uh, person, I, I said to my doctor, "I'm willing to do a salpingectomy." I'm not willing to remove my ovaries. Like I'll do a prophylactic salping. I'm not going to do the ovaries. So again, this is my personal choice. I'm not saying everyone's choice is different. You've got to have a talk with your doctor. I'm not saying that everyone should do what I'm doing. And I'm not suggesting to anybody that you don't listen to your doctor. You've got to listen to your doctor. They're the ones that like, this is what they do. But you've got to have informed decision making. It can't just be the doctor dictating to you what they want you to do because we're not cookie cutter. Everybody's not the same. You know, scientists have tracked ovarian cancer to the site of origin, with it, which is the fallopian tubes. This is from Johns Hopkins uh, Medicine. I'm not making this stuff up. Dana Farber Cancer Institute and Johns Hopkins are tremendous. Uh, In the fields of research and, and cancer research and stuff like that. So you don't have to take my word for any of this. These are experts. This is what they do all the time. Okay, this is what they turn out. So, you know, this is not me with some crackpot stuff.
0: When did that come out, that particular one? Because that might also be part of it. it was my I surgery think that came out in
2: 2017.
0: Yeah, I was looking at that. I think, yeah, so my, my surgery was 2014. So it's also possible, look, that information wasn't necessarily out there.
2: For right, me. okay.
0: So, so but, yeah, it does. Usually right. these studies
2: exist before they present this. And these studies oh, go. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's there. a turnaround time, yeah. yeah. And I think I think you know these these surgeons owe it to patients to keep abreast of this stuff. Yes. So that they can provide the best care possible, the most cutting edge, right. Because the what they're asking women to do is tantamount to ending their life earlier. You know, yes. it's like death by shotgun or death by knife, which you choose one, right? right? So you have the surgery, and they can wipe their hands, dust their hands right. off, and say, "Okay, well, we've prevented your cancer. Go in peace." But then you've got this other host of- All this other stuff, yes. Now have to deal with. And I'm just wondering, is it worth it? Do you want to have cancer? No, you don't want to die from cancer. Do you want to die from cardiovascular disease? No, you don't want to die from that either. So I'm saying that there has to be something in the middle. And I think a lot of that middle conversation- you know, after they do, well, first of all, I think everyone needs to be tested. Everyone needs to be genetic tested. Like there should be no, like you have to have a family history. Insurance is dictating too much of medicine. And these are people that are not even clinicians that are dictating these terms. Doctors need to be more concerned with the patient and they need to push back on these insurance um, companies and stop letting them dictate the terms of their care. That's a lot of what's happening here. And so that's the first thing. You're the here. second thing is patients need to be informed of what is going on in science, because that's the only thing that doctors understand. They don't understand, you know, your, your lifestyle and, and all this. stuff. Well, some do, but by, by and large, they look at the numbers. They look at the, the, the science. They always say, well, I look to the science. Well, here's the science. And they're still not, not, not making the changes, you know, they're still sticking with the standard, remove the, the organs again, just look at the, 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 um, the quality of life issues for prostate removal, piddling yourself and not having sex, not having, you know, not being able to get it up. And I'm not saying that those are not important things to men. Of course they're important, but they're not life-threatening. These things that women are are being asked to choose between are life-threatening, and so I'm just begging people to have a a full-on discussion with their doctor about these things. Look, these things you may end up having to do these things anyway, but at least have a discussion. Don't just let it be dictated to you. That's all. That's all I'm saying. You know, you've got to you've got to stand up and you've got to to fight for for your rights. And you've got to fight for your body because it's yours and you have to live with these decisions. They don't have to live with these decisions. They get to, you know, to, you know, rack up their numbers and have their stats and all this other stuff. But, at, but you have to live with their decisions. So you've got to be part of that decision-making process. So that's, that's all I want to say about that. So you can go to Urban Health Weekly for the links to these articles and you'll be able to read about them in depth. Does anyone have anything else they want to add? I know I just like sucked all the oxygen out of it. (laughs) I thought you had valid. Those are all important points. And I say, here, here. I agree (laughs) with you. Lou?
1: Great discussion today.
2: All right. Well, remember, you only have one life and one body. So you've got to do your best to make it count so your years are full of life and full of health. Remember, people, information equals transformation. So small steps each day and you'll see a difference. I am sure of it. So that's all the time we have today. And it was great having this conversation with you guys. Always good. And I will see you next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time.
1: It's official. Summer is almost here. The sun is getting brighter. The days are getting longer and your lawn is ready for some love. Get everything you need for a season spent outside with Memorial Day savings from the Home Depot. Manicure your yard to perfection with lawn care tools from RYOBI. Then get your garden going with vegetables and herbs from Bonnie Plants Harvest Select. Plus mulch and soil from Vigoro and EarthGrow. Get your lawn as ready as you are for summer in the sun. Feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.